<laughs> it's I so funny, man. freaking love this. He's this is great. this is possibly the funniest line in the game to me yet. <laughs> what? Is when he's up there like I'm gonna like screw everything up. Oh, it's heavy. It's gonna take me five minutes to push this thing down. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and then five. you have a timer. Exactly five minutes for Ultros to push the thing. <laughs> Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kazen. We're back to talk about Final Fantasy VI. Indeed. Once again, we left off when all parties had come back to Narsh. So we went through Locke and Terra and Sabin's separate scenarios. That's now, right. They've all come back to Narsh now. The Fellowship has reunited. <laughs> After being yeah. broken. So um, kind of start off here. This is Bannon the, and yeah, Alvis are talking. Bannon and Arvis are discussing Alvis. what they're going to do. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> wondered if it was supposed to be Alvis because they always get L's and R's mixed up. Well, I back have, it could be either one. I mean, I, I don't know. But it is Arvis as well in the Game Boy Advance edition. Okay. So Usually I whatever think, they pick as it goes forward is, is the one. Yeah. So That's I think Arvis is actually correct. They actually did it correct for once. They did not mix it up like they did in every case in uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Like literally tactics, every case. That's right. And there was somebody, Algus, Algus or something. Yep, anyway. it was supposed to be Argus. Every time was it so was funny. an L or an R, it was supposed to be the opposite thing. Yeah, it was like, was I, it's the worst I've ever seen that in a game. And I mean, that's saying a lot. So, okay. We got the elder of Narsh Village here. I understand what you're saying, but you're asking us to spill our blood for you. And Arvis says, that's not what we asked. The other says, what you ask is the same. And then Bannon says, ha, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, and then Arvis like, Bannon, like, what the heck? We are asking you to spill your blood. Emperor Gestal is racing to acquire even greater, greater Magitek power. That's the reason he wants the Esper that was discovered here. If we allow the Empire to continue amassing weapons of Magitek destruction, history's greatest mistake will be repeated. And the Elder says, the War of the Magi. No, not <laughs> the War of the Magi. Every I love, I, love, I love how they like set that up every time. I, I think yeah. the last time they did it like was dot, 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 dot. back at the Returner's Hideout with Bannon. He did the same thing where he just like, he, he loves to set up for the announcement of <laughs> the War of the Magi to the just war. like leave it on this really like, <laughs> sort of like a... Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, what, like ominous. Ominous just, note. Just epic, yeah, yeah, yeah. The war of the Magi. So uh, anyway, they're all like, no, that can't happen again. No. There's no, no way. That was just a, grand, a story my grandma told me about, you know, all that stuff that they always say. Yes, of course, because um, it is but a legend. <laughs> and then uh, everybody gets reunited, so yep, Sabin comes back. back. Now, this is a bit of an issue, actually, because Cayenne is not up to speed, right? So no. he sees Celeste and he's like, oh, I'm going to kill you right now. Uh, yep. You're dead. And uh, I think it's, uh, was it Locke or Edgar or Seven? Or Locke, Locke. Yeah, kind of holds him back. And yep. he's like, wait, 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 wait. Just like, trust me. It's okay. And um, I thought that was really good because once again, we have Locke stepping in to protect Celeste, mm -hmm. right? And um, gosh, it was at this moment when Locke is like, don't worry, you, like, you'll kill me instead, something like that, like yeah. over my dead body. And Edgar shows up and looks at Locke and he goes, wait, are you still thinking about 
that. Yeah. And we don't get any more context on that. Not quite. Uh, perhaps yet. we will in this playthrough, but maybe we won't. So yeah. <laughs> I, bring it I, up. Could, I think we could get up to that point. It's not too far ahead, but yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we'll you wait. Never know, we'll wait just because <laughs> I've always thought we we're going to get further than we do. Yeah, yeah. So Locke is sort of, um, it, it's funny. Uh, and, and again, this will come, the reason for this will come up soon, but this yeah, is yeah. the second time or with the second person, I should say, uh, Tara and Celeste, where Locke has sort of without any, without any regard <laughs> Without like without thinking twice, I guess I should say, mm -hmm. just decided to wholly trust someone he does not know, right. and be like, "I'm going to protect you no matter what." Yes, which and he was kind of doing for Tara previously as yep, well. Yep. Right. He kind of just has this uh, protective of women mentality. Yes. Right. Very much so. And yeah, we'll learn about that soon. But that's what Edgar's yeah. referring to there. Um. Then Tara shows up and she says, oh, I was also an Imperial soldier. Cayenne <laughs> <laughs> is just like, what? He's like, just losing his mind. Yep. Has absolutely no idea what to think about this. Yep. But at the moment, he's like, well, I trust you. I'll let it stand for now. Yeah. We'll see what happens, right? Yeah. Um, I do want to point out, too, that this is kind of important for a setup um, for something we'll probably get into in the next episode um, hmm. when you actually get to Vector. Uh, but there's, well, actually it's a little bit later than that. There's, there's a huge long section. It might be at the end of next episode, but, um, the fact that Locke has latched on so tightly yeah. without really knowing who Celeste is and you yeah. know, I mean, he, he knows that she was a general in the army, but like yeah, yeah. without really understanding why she's here without questioning whether or not maybe this is, you know. Maybe she's not who she, he just doesn't think about it at all. He just completely right. trusts her, right? Completely. So that's important, and and he's like willing to fight and die for her against Cyan here. And so yeah. it, there, there's something more to that. that. That's not like normal behavior. <laughs> nope. Um. So, anyways, they're discussing uh, whether or not Narsh should um work with the Returners and help them. To right. uh, sort of like officially go against the Empire. Um, and, you know, Sabin and Cyan are there talking about how the entire kingdom of Doma was poisoned and like your next kind of a thing. Right. right? Yeah. Um, the Elder says, but that was because <clears throat> Doma was collaborating with the Returners. As long as we right. remain neutral, we'll have nothing to fear from the Empire. And it's like, nope, think again. <clears throat> um, they're, they're poised to attack Narsh as we speak. So yeah. there is currently uh, an army moving to moving against them right now. They want that Esper. Um, so, so the Esper is no longer in the cave. It no, has been it's moved. been moved. By whom? The, by wonder. by the people of Narsh. I know, but when you approach it, it gets all weird and kills people, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, was that only because of Terra? It, I think it reacted to Terra specifically. It reacted yeah. to Terra, but then with Biggs and Wedge, it, it just killed them. It killed them, but, but because I, Terra was because there, she was I in the you. vicinity. That makes yeah. sense. I think that's why. Okay. So, um, anyways, let's see here. They decide to. Well, when they cut away, because well, they, they say have a choice. Narsh is a neutral city, they're saying to Kefka, right, on yeah. the outside. And he's like, oh, no, this this is an Imperial soldier saying this. Mm. Uh, Kefka, what about the civilians? What about them? Kill them all. Yeah. But sir, Narsh is a neutral city. You idiot. Read my lips. Mercy is for wimps. 
There's a reason <laughs> oppose rhymes with dispose. If they get uh, if they get in your way, kill them. So he, you know, no disregard or no regard for yeah. any, anybody. He just kill everybody. So that more or less forces forces uh, Narsh's 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 Narsh's, Narsh's hand. Yeah. Uh, so Narsh can no longer do anything. They may as well like okay, yeah. we need all the help we can get. We're gonna fight them. Uh, they're, so they're um, openly going to collaborate with the returners um and what's really cool is as soon as this is decided it's like okay we got to go over here this is where the esper is this is where the battlefield is going to happen yes um and you get this really cool like scene of the characters all kind of filing out and walking towards it Mm -hmm. and during while they're walking you're seeing these little conversations happen between certain of the characters mostly focusing on celeste yeah uh, but it's it's really good and it's really cool um, this is something that movies do a lot, like where characters who, when you need to have a dialogue scene, have the characters be moving yeah. while it's happening. Yeah. It, it just makes it more interesting. It kind of draws you in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and they're doing that here. And I thought it was really well done. Yeah. They do this in a couple of places in the game. Yeah. Um, in, at the end of the Zozo section, which Zozo, we'll get up to yeah. today as well. They do that again. Well, as they're descending the tower in Zozo, they're all kind of yeah. chatting with each other while they're walking down. And it's, it's a way, nice way to way transition better. the scene. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a transition, but it's way better than just having the characters there just kind of talking. Standing. It's like doing things, nothing. things are happening. Things yeah. are moving. They're moving somewhere. Yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, I like it. Um, so, yeah, they basically say, you know, our choice is made for us. So, as they're walking up, um, what's some of the cool, like you get a cool one between Celeste and Terra, which I think is a, a yeah. really key one here. So that would be the second one. Yeah. So yeah. the first time, first it's Edgar telling Celeste that Locke is probably oh, not yeah, actually right. all that interested <laughs> in her, which is hilarious. Edgar of all people is like, hey. Yeah, right. Um, despite being willing to die for her. And Celeste tells him that she's a soldier, not some love-starved twit. Yeah. What, what did it say? In... It's the same. Okay. Love-starved okay, twit. Yeah. And Edgar's like, ouch. And so <laughs> it seems his game isn't really all that strong. Nope. <laughs> uh, then for the second... Um, discussion conversation that we're privy to it's Tara talking to Celeste and Tara wants to know about love and if Celeste has ever been yep. in love <laughs> I, I I actually really like well after how... Edgar's conversation it's just hilarious yes it's like why are the I'm a soldier like why is, <laughs> why is everybody here obsessed with freaking love we're about to fight about I know people. people are about to die yeah exactly and I want to know what love is um but I actually like the way that this was translated in the advanced version mm. much better. I, I can't remember exactly what the wording was in the SNES, but um, I, I, it was it's the difference between how Celeste responds to such a strange question from Terra. So uh. first of all, they were in the Empire together. Uh, the difference between them is that Celeste was infused with magical powers, not born with them naturally, and Terra was born with them naturally. So, right. um, I think also that in the SNES version, Celeste says something like, isn't magic like a wonderful power or beautiful oh, power yeah. or something like that, which mm. is kind of weird. So it's, it's different in this version. I, I like yeah. it a lot better. So Celeste says to Tara, who'd have thought we'd meet again like this. And Tara says, you can use magic too, can't you? But it's different from mine. And Celeste says, I was raised to be an Imperial Magitech Knight. When I was still very young, I was artificially infused with magic. And then Tara says, mm. almost as a complete non sequitur, is it possible for you to love other people? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and Celeste, is, like, what are you Celeste about? is really taken aback by yeah, this. I am. And in this version, I love her response. Are you mocking me? Like, mm. 
are you are you like making a joke at my yeah, expense? Like, what would you? Why would you say that? <laughs> right. It's it's really awkward. A really weird and awkward question. Of course, it's innocent mm, from Tara's perspective. Me? Yeah, yeah. But like from Celeste's perspective, like, are you are you trying to implicate or say something about me with that statement? Like, so I I like what mm. they're doing here. The, the the there's not a lot of unity in this party yet. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. They haven't spent a That's lot of true. time together, That's except point, for yeah. like Locke and Edgar and some of those guys, Sabin and Sabin. But it's Edgar. been 10 years since they've really right. been around each Cyan other. Cyan just met these people. Uh, he yeah. is obviously going to be super um, suspicious of Celeste yeah. and Terra. Yeah, Terra yeah. and Celeste are suspicious yeah. of each other. Locke right. is sort of holding the glue of this party together at the moment, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice because like they are not necessarily gelling it. They're fighting out of necessity. Um, and a common enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of deal, but they yeah. are not friends yet. Right. And it, that's clear. Right. Yeah. Um, cause then Cyan and Celeste have a, a little dialogue right after this. And he says, do not even think for a moment that I trust thee. And Celeste says, fine, use your own eyes and see for yourself which side I'm on. And he's like, you know. So Celeste has yeah. to be wondering, she has to be very concerned about what kind of group she's got herself oh, yeah. up with at this point. Particularly coming from the Empire, where I'm sure it was very organized and disciplined. And yeah. like now she's with <laughs> these people that are just totally ragtag and, and uh, yeah, just yeah. like riding with the wind and kind of just making decisions on a whim, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's got to feel like really uh, weird being, being a part of this group, but um, you know, she's ready to fight the empire. So, okay. This is where the, it's the second instance where we do this thing where we split the party into like three groups and then they all kind of fight battle separately yeah. and you have to protect Bannon this time. So the first time it was, you got to protect Terra with the Moogles, with the Moogles. Yeah. Deus Ex Moogle. This yeah. time, <laughs> yeah. this time it's Bannon. And, uh, so if they get to him, it's a game over. So you got to fight them all. There's like way more enemy groupings this time. Yeah. And then you fight Kefka at the end of it, which once again, he's pretty easy. Not, not hard at all. <laughs> particularly, on there. particularly if you have Celeste in the group to use runic, which just oh, absorbs right. all of his magic attacks, yeah. which can be, they can hit pretty hard, but if she's there, you're not getting hit by anything. <laughs> so it, it's another example of Kefka being a fairly easy uh, yeah. enemy to defeat he 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 comes across as being pretty weak um so dialogue he has here in these battles if it isn't general celeste the traitor excellent now i won't have to hunt you down later then go get those vile insects uh fight all the battles um yeah uh gur don't think you've won he says i won't forget this and then, uh, so I didn't really have any notes beyond the fact no, that up to I, the Esper, up to the Esper, but yeah. I, I really like that they do this. They have these sections where they kind of break up the gameplay. We kind of talked about yeah, that before. and you split up the team, and yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, okay, so <clears throat> up to the Esper now. Yep. <clears throat> Where's the Esper? Says Edgar. Locke says, "Is it all right?" They get up there. Ooh, it's safe. Cyan. It also appears to be alive. Hmm. Seven. Is that even possible? And then uh, Locke says, Tara, what is it? And she starts reacting to it again. Yes, once again. Walking up to it. And you get, I, I really like the music they play during these scenes that it's kind of yeah. using that little harp. Dum, 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 dum. And the mm. da, 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 da. Um, really mysterious music. Uh, 
Um, and then they all kind of get like knocked away. Yeah. They almost get blasted like right off, off the cliff side. Cliff yeah. side. <laughs> but Tara just approaches it right there. And yep. the thing that she asks is, who am I? Yes. And I don't know why. It, it has been quite a while since I replayed this, but I've played it more than once before. Um, I didn't remember this happening this soon. I thought this was something yeah. that happened a little bit later than this. This mm. is it. It came sooner than I expected. Yeah. I think my total play time up to this point might have been five hours. Okay, and that I mean, that's pretty short space of time. That's like yeah. the Midgar arc of Final Fantasy VII or something. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. just the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah just the first little. Um, and already she is reacting to this, and she transforms. Yeah. into a an esper form she turns all like purple and she like freaks out and she's like screaming like a banshee flying all around the planet just she basically completely loses her mind yes and yeah she streaks across the sky and we don't see her again no for she a while totally gone and it's yeah. just like uh <laughs> what just happened <laughs> like, what? They, they, what the heck they knew that there was something up with her but they didn't think it was gonna be this yeah right? so she's just gone and you know all that all that talk about uh, normal humans don't yeah. use magic, and her feeling like she doesn't belong with anybody. Like yeah. this was all kind of a lead up to this. Like it's is actually true. She's not technically human, mm -hmm. um, or at least it appears that way at the moment. And so it's just like, oh my goodness, like, well, what do we do now? Like that because that was the whole plan. The whole plan was to get her to communicate with this Esper. Yep. So they could figure out some way to try to combat the Empire's right. Magitek. And what happened yeah. is Terra just transformed it into something really crazy powerful and just freaking is on the loose. And it's just like, now what do we do? Like, holy crap. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really big moment. It's really effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like how they uh, switch to the world map and, and she's just like, I mean, just like cruising around the planet, just flying really fast. It's got almost like a DBZ element of like showing such tremendous power levels, right? Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> well, the hair gets all up and crazy yeah. and like the skin turns purple. Or Yeah, like uh, Dragon Ball Z is what it is, of course. But the one <laughs> thing that it always did yeah. really effectively was like demonstrating visually like an, an immense amount of power. Yeah. Whether sure. it's like yeah. characters, you know, doing Kai blasts that explode mountains and tear them in half. Um, uh, what, what is that, uh, principle in animation? It's like, um, the opposite, uh, opposite force. force. Yeah. They yeah, do yeah. a really good job of, of a force going that way has to have an equal force blowing backwards yes. kind and of thing. Usually like, it's so funny because in anime you would think, oh, it's an explosion. Everything's bright. But what they'll do is they'll actually put the bright on one side and they'll make the other side dark, dark. Yeah. right? Or they'll have like a black streak through the light that makes it seem like even brighter somehow like yeah. it's, re it's really interesting how they do that yeah. yeah so like i mean obviously it's not exactly the same but i get that sort of sense of that like level of just like earth shattering power from yeah. Terra as she's just flying all over the place and going crazy and once again it makes her kind of a terrifying person like yeah. we don't yeah, really right. understand how terrible her power can be right right the the mystery of Terra is even greater than we yeah. ever thought yeah you know i have this note here that says that celeste can feel the esper's mind oh yes what's up with that that's like a good this, question i can't remember exactly. um let's I guess look at the line go here. back a little bit 
Celeste, the Esper, it's responding to her. Celeste, are you awake? Celeste, what else does Celeste say? What am I feeling? It might just be in the um. The, maybe that's a translation the version that I'm playing. That could have been an error. It came across that way, but it doesn't look like she says yeah. that. Okay, here, she doesn't. So. I was wondering if Celeste had some kind of reaction to you, but it seems yeah. like she did not. So Locke wakes up in Arvis's house after this. And it's just like, oh, right. what happened? And Celeste says, uh, you know, she turned into something and she flew off. She looked like, she looked like an esper. She looked like an esper. Crazy. Yeah. Um, something happened to Tara, says Edgar. There must be some sort of connection between her and that esper. We need to find her. Witnesses said she went streaking westward across the sky beyond Figaro. So westward, so we have the Figaro desert, right? And then west yeah. of that, it's kind of... Over the mountains, there's mountains kind of, there. So we yeah. got to go over the mountains west and try to ask around and see what happened to her. Um, Locke says, we got to hurry. I promise to protect her. Uh, he Celeste, doesn't, he doesn't want to Celeste break promise. takes notice of this. Yeah, Celeste is beginning yeah. to take notice of his, um, well, she was took notice of her from the start, but she, she kind of points it out almost every time it comes up mm, yeah. that he has this weird level of obsession with protecting women. <laughs> Uh, um, particularly attractive young women. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Empire will be back again for the Esper. So they, they mm -hmm. basically decide they've got to split up. So some of the party is going to go try to look for her while the rest stay there and try to bolster the defenses in Narsh and help them out. So this is just a way of, you know, you got to pick four people out of the however many yeah. we have available, six. And then Cayenne um, also, he has a moment of, um, even though Tara was a former Imperial soldier, he says, but still, we must help her. So yeah. he's got this sense of honor, too. He's starting to recognize, based on what he's seen through the battle, that these are good people. Yeah. People that he can trust. Right. So. So this is so funny. It's it's how they get to the next, you know, part yes. that is just wonderful. I, I love it. <laughs> because it's like, oh, hey, oh, how are we going to get there? I don't know. How could you? How can you cross a mountain, mm. right? Well, one way is to ride a castle underground <laughs> under the mountain. And I love how they're like, it's no big deal. Once you're underground, all underground is like, it doesn't matter. Like you can go under a mountain or whatever. There's nothing that's too hard. <laughs> like the sand was one thing, but it's like, you can just go right under there, the mountain. There is a crust underneath. <laughs> it's like the mountain is just floating yeah. on this soft sand. You know, like It's not like... You know, there's the idea that like a tree, a tree's roots are as deep as it is tall. Yes. Um, that's more or less true with mountains as well. So a yeah. mountain that sticks out this much from the ground also goes super far deep yeah. in the ground because gravity just like pulls that heavy rock downward. So you've uh, got, you can't just go right under it like that. But whatever they do. This, this castle can. This castle can. So yeah, they head back to the castle. It goes underground and it goes yeah. under the mountains to the west and kind of comes up in another deserty, sandy area. Yeah. So um, it can only come up in the sandy areas, but, <laughs> but, but it can travel underground wherever yeah. it wants, as though it were all sand. Of There's all, also... what uh, I was going to say, of all of the Final Fantasy um, vehicle types where they take you from one place of the world to the other, this is kind of the probably the weirdest one. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's cool. It's cool, but yeah. Whatever. Um, we also have the scene of um, Sabin approaching the throne, right? This is the first uh, time he's been back to Figaro Castle. Yeah. This is good to while. bring up because if he's not in your party, you will miss this oh, really? additional oh, scene, which that. is a really good scene. <laughs> so he remembers the moment when he figured out that his dad had died. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love the way the scenes are presented. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's like this, this, the camera is like moving yep. like past these scenes as they're kind of happening and, and you know, they're just kind of like fading in and out. They're coming and going as, as, as memories. Right. Yeah, I really liked that. It's like he goes yeah. and he sits down and the camera starts to pan downwards. Yeah, and as it's doing yes. that, it's like it's transitioning back in time. And it's exactly. like the moment where like the counselor comes in and says, oh, yeah. psh, psh, like the king is yeah, the king. dreadfully ill. I think he's about to pass. Right. It, it, it's, it's cool. It's like he's looking so cool. onto this exact scene where right. previously yeah. he, this had happened. It, it's a really, yeah. it was a really nice transition. I thought it was really well executed. It, it, was, it was really cool. And then uh, we learn that Figaro was going to be divided in half mm, between the two each of them. part given yeah to one of the twins um but Sabin got really pissed because the empire killed his dad so anyways i don't know basically edgar and Sabin have this really nice like scene where it's like okay we'll flip a coin and then determine who like, gets to be king. what to do yeah yep. because um well but he kind of knows what Sabin wants. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Sabin is just kind of remembering everything and he's remembering the coin flip and remembering the way that everything happened where he left for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And as he's sitting on the throne, he's just kind of talking to himself, I guess. And Edgar kind of comes out of a curtain and says, hey, it's been, you know, it's been 10 years now since that day. And mm-hmm. they just kind of, they have a really cool moment together. I really like the way the scene plays. Yeah. And again, this is a completely missable scene if you don't have Edgar mm-hmm. and Sabin in the party when you come here. So... Make sure you do that because <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite scenes in the game. They even, I mean, it's uh, iconic enough, I guess, of all the set pieces and scenes that it, it ended up being recreated as a CGI thing in the right, yeah. PlayStation version, right? Um, that coin flip. The way that Edgar, they're at to the, the top of the turret. Yeah, he like kind of like steps forward and like jumps. Like yeah. he like, like really launches that corner. Way that high up. in the air. Yeah. So cool. And and the the music there, coin song is is one of my favorite mm. tracks from the game. It's really 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 beautiful piece. It really enhances the scene. And so you you know you get that you get this idea that Sabin wanted nothing to do with ruling, and you know, yeah. but like it was his responsibility. He was sort of torn by it, and Edgar seems to realize that. All right, we'll flip a coin. Um, and we should get to this scene by the end of today. So it's it, when when you finish the opera house scene. We'll um, see, man. We'll see. Uh, you know, Celeste takes yeah. the coin from Edgar. <clears throat> and She's got uses her own little game to, that she plays with Setzer. Yeah, with yeah. Setzer, and it's a double. It's a double-headed coin, so it's yeah. it's heads on both sides, and so you can draw from that. I think if Sabin is in the party when this happens, he sort of does like a face. He sort of reacts, yeah. like, "Wait a minute." Well, in mine, he says, "Yeah, he says, wait that coin." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a realization that Sab, that Edgar had basically allowed him to go free because that's yeah. what he really wanted. That's what Sabin really wanted, and Edgar decided to take the responsibility so that he could let his brother, you know, go off and train to be a martial arts guy up in the mountains. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so really nice scene. Uh. And again, all of this stuff was written by Kaori Tanaka the Xenogears writer. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's kind of reflected. I mean, you see, you see the scenario with Renee and, um, uh, what's the other guy's name? Oh, Renee and, um, the brother, Ro- Ronnie, Ronnie, Ro- Ronnie and Ronnie. Renee. Yeah. In, uh, Xenogears, it kind of expanded from this, right? Yeah. Like a, a, a bigger scenario, but like fleshing out some of some similar concepts. So it's really nice. Um, then, <clears throat> 
you leave, and the, uh, the, I mean, right when you step outside of the castle onto the world map again, after you've gone into the mountains, the first town that's like right next yeah. to you is called Kolingen. Kolingen. This is um, actually a town that Locke seemed to have lived in for a while, but he had a fiance here named Rachel. Yes. Um, Locke was not in my party when I came here. Oh, when you came here? Well, luckily, if you did this, what I did, (laughs) um, you can come back here again and still see the scenes. I believe I saw all of the scenes. I don't know that I missed anything. Um, So I was able to go back later on after I realized what it was. I was like, oh my gosh, change the party, go to the, come back. Okay. (laughs) And then, and then you can see it um, as Locke. Yeah. So make sure you have a lock in the party as you go here. But there's a house kind of towards the back. Yeah, it's to the north. It's to the east is what they say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, you go in there and you see a little flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, where Locke remembers this girl, Rachel, and they were going off on an adventure. She's like, Locke, where are we off? What are we off to find today? Um, and they're going across a, like a bridge in like a cave, almost like a mine. And he's talking about how there's supposed to be this amazing treasure hidden yep. somewhere in this mountain. We're going to find it. And she's like, uh, Locke, look out. Cause he's stepping on, um, some sort of treacherous footing, a, a piece of wood comes loose yeah, it's like a bridge, in the yeah. bridge and she runs and pushes him to safety and she falls. So she yeah. saves him and in turn falls. Um, he jumps down after her and she um, basically falls into a coma yep. for, I don't know, some undisclosed period of time, but then wakes up uh, with amnesia. <laughs> Unable to remember anything. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a big fan of this trope as common as it is in yeah. uh, RPGs. I, I really felt like they could have just left her in a coma. I don't know why they needed to do that. I don't think she needed well, to wake up the way, at all. The way the story plays out is she's in a coma and then he gets kicked out, but then she it, wakes up, but then she wakes up, doesn't but, remember, but then him. she goes on and somewhere else and then just dies somewhere else. Yeah. Like anyways, and falls asleep. <laughs> it's, it's it a, dies. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird, like dies. Right. Yeah. But and then the guy uses herbs to like keep her, like they didn't sort of alive or something. Yeah. yeah. But the idea is that they didn't need to use amnesia. She, no. they, she, she was already in that state. They yeah. could just move her to just do the thing about preserving her and don't, yeah. why did this, why did it need yeah. to play like this? Other than. Well, because you still you still didn't need amnesia. You still could have had the father come in and say, this was your fault. She yep. followed you in there. You are at fault and go away. And yep. then he kind of leaves and abandons her. Um, you can still have that, that he couldn't save her. He couldn't help her, right? Yep. He was there and she helped him instead of him helping her. And so he yep. has this trauma. But instead, they kind of replay it again. They're like, oh, but then another thing happened where she died and he wasn't able to help her then. Yeah. I don't, they, they just kind of doubled up when they didn't need to. Yeah. And I suppose that, you know, w- what they were wanting is for Locke to not just be sent away by the father, but rejected by her too, where it's like, oh, she's the one telling him, go away. You're upsetting my family and I don't yes. know who you are and it, it was, I don't love you anymore. And, that, yeah. That was more or less what she said. Or yeah. I, I just never loved you to begin with. She, yeah. she can't remember any of that stuff. Yeah. But he talks to the father and he says, no, no, you don't understand. She said, yes. Yeah. Before right. uh, the whole mm. thing happened. And the father's like, leave. But the idea was that they were going to get married. Yep. And so uh, 
This was obviously devastating for him. He says, a year went by. When I finally returned, I found out that Rachel had been killed in an Imperial attack. Yeah. That that probably was translated differently because they never say killed in the NES, or SNES version. Well, <laughs> but she was killed she by have, the Empire. I think they said passed away. Uh, pr that's actually true. I think you're right about that. Her memory had returned just before she died. The yep. last thing she said was my name. I never should have left her side. I failed her. Now, to the extent of he never should have left her side, <laughs> she still didn't need to have amnesia. That's what sure. I'm saying. Okay. Sure. Anyway, um, so then you go into this house and into the, kind of like the basement, and she's there kind of like sleeping oh. beauty or Snow White style, yeah, like yeah, laying there in a bed. With, yep. surrounded by flowers. And at first, I didn't realize Locke had anything to do with this, and especially since I had come here without Locke first and had yeah. gone down into the basement. And, um, like, going in and talking to her, where it's like, okay, there's this girl here. It's definitely Rachel. And the dude is like, mwah! The, 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 um, <laughs> he's so the, weird. The wizard's, like, laughing, and he's like, hee hee, this is, this is, <laughs> this is my job. People it's in the, so funny, dude. <laughs> people in the town are like, there's ghosts under that house. Like, everyone knows what he's doing. Like, he's a haunted house. He's a creepy old dude. He's yeah. had her there for, I don't know, years? A while? Yeah, a long time. Right? And she's surrounded by all these flowers and stuff. And it's like, dude, this guy's crazy. And then you come back with Locke, and it's like, oh, I see. Locke is kind of, well, he told the guy to do this. He's like, hey, can you save her, mm -hmm. basically, right? So the guy is just keeping her in his basement. And like, yep. that's expensive estate, you know? But Yeah. So, like... Locke approaches her, Rachel. Yeah. Um, you're sure up? Are you sure this stuff will work? He says to the guy, and he's like, "Of course, of course. The love of your life of will sleep here just like this forever and ever and ever." He, he's just like, <laughs> "Why is he? Like he's this? crazy. Why did he have to be like this? It's <laughs> so weird." And he's like, "If there's a way to yeah. call back her spirit," and he's like, "A way to call yep. her back, eh? You mean like legendary, a legendary treasure?" So this is different than the SNES version. The SNES say, version was here. really funny. Mm. Um, uh, he says, you mean like a legendary treasure? He, he, he. Oh, yes, I suppose if you had that, you might be able to bring her around. Mm, right. This is way better because mm. it like alludes to the fact that there is something that, there is a thing. that he is yeah. looking for. This is why he's a treasure hunter, or he was before, right, but right, why right. he's continued searching yeah. and for treasures because there's something out there he feels like he can use to bring her back. Bring her <laughs> in, the, back. in the SNES version, he's just like, but what if there was a way to bring her back? And the guy's like, well, then she'd come back. It's just like... That's great. It's... All right. Anyways, it, it was supposed to allude to the fact there is an artifact out there that yeah, you, you can find. You don't get that as much in the Go, go, um, <laughs> go find it. Go search the world and explore and you might find this thing. There's hope for a quest here. Right? Yeah. Instead of just like, well, what if there was a way? Well, then there'd be a way. He's like kind of joking about it. Anyways, is I just yeah. found it really funny. There's a few, um, I guess, symbolic things to um, bring up within the way that this scene all plays out. When when Locke is first kind of shooed away by the girl, by Rachel and her father, mm. um, somebody else shows up um, next to Locke, and I can't remember exactly who it is, but says, "Hey, just go. Like this is done. You're not helping. Yeah, just leave. Just uh, so, it's just one of those generic thief sprite guys. There you go. Okay. <laughs> With the eye patch." Like yeah, there's like a whole yeah. bunch of those dudes in the Yerg, game. you best be leaving, Locke. <laughs> so um, the person who tells him to leave kind of comes from town and walks along the path and then says, all right, time to leave. But when Locke leaves, he takes, he walks away to the left side, 
which is where it's it's basically into the wild. It's into the forest. It's into the <clears throat> there is no path. We'll put it that way. So mm. you know, there's a path into town, and all the paths are straight, and everything makes sense. Um, but as soon as he has to leave, he he walks off the path, and you know, the idea being like. He doesn't really know what he's going to do now. He yeah. doesn't know where he's going. He's right. just kind of going to forge his own way and, and see what works. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. And then the other one is um, the symbolism of keeping someone alive. Uh, yes. Just for yourself or just, you know, just preserving them how they were. Like you can, you can almost think that because it's a little weird. That it's a little creepy. It's he's really like creepy. keeping her her body <laughs> really frozen in time. Yeah. yeah, and they say suspended animation yep. um, in the translation I was playing. Um, it's weird, but I th- this is supposed to symbolize the greater idea of of his memory. Right, he is preserving the memory of her, and he is not. How would you put it? He's not willing to let go. Yes, he can't let go of her. Yes, um, he. It, it's as if any day she'll come right back. Like there, there's this kind of thought process that a lot of people would go through when losing somebody mm-hmm. important to them. Um, the way the game chooses to show that is the technical possibility that she could still be alive. But the truth is, is that in his memory, he's kind of there's a block there. Yeah. Like he can't get past this. She's still alive in his mind. And she is, um, you know, one day he can bring her back and all this stuff. And he, he can't let go of her. And this is really important to note because of the the way the opera scene kind of plays out. Yes. It's basically like made for him. It's directed yes. at his experience. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's it's really cool the way that it all plays out. That's why I feel like they did this where, yeah. well, you still have to have lock in the party and you didn't. So there's still a chance to miss it. But I think yeah. it's why they put that town like right next to where you come up with the right. castle. Because it, it, it's a lot, the, the opera scene, the subtext of the words makes a lot more impact when you know Locke's like dilemma yeah. and you know Celeste's dilemma exactly. together, right? Because yes. it's really kind of the two of them are in the subtext almost communicating to each other through that yeah. song, right? And you know, the fact that it's missable <laughs> is unfortunate. <Yeah. laughs> um, the game almost gives you a little too much freedom in that yeah. aspect. Uh, but once you get to the town and everyone's like, ooh, Locke used to live here and oh, there's the house and stuff. It, it's pretty obvious what you should do. Yeah. And I don't think you can immediately, but at some, whenever you do get Locke, you want to go back to this town. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to hear if anybody... Missed just it completely, completely missed it and yeah. never even went back. Yeah. Okay. So my next note here is, I mean, up to Zozo. Zozo. You, 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 you go down to Jidor, which is kind of the next town way to the south, but yeah. you'll just get hints there of this thief town called Zozo where they <laughs> saw. Town of thieves. It makes no sense. They just rob each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a kind of a relic of that time. You know, they, they yeah. don't really put that much thought and you're not supposed to think about it that hard, but it's, it's just a rough town. Well, it's not only, it's not only just a town of thieves, but everybody lies no matter what, Ah, which is, is like the puzzle that you solve in this area. So there's a certain, don't jump between buildings. You have to figure out what time to put on the clock and you Ah, figure that out by talking to all the dudes who tell you the wrong thing, the wrong thing on purpose. But it's just funny, Mm. this concept of, and you, every single one, again, this is an abstraction to get across right. an idea. Yeah, this yeah. is a rough place. Yeah. It's kind of a lawless place and you shouldn't trust yeah. anybody there. Right. It, Don't trust right? anyone. And, and in the town, you're going to fight enemies. You're not safe in towns like most other towns. That's true. Yeah. You'll have random battles so you yeah. can get attacked out of nowhere by these people. It's a scary place. It's, there's a lot of yeah. crime there. 
that's the idea. But then they turn it into this little kind of clever puzzle where well, it's like Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah, she's like, which way do you go? And the one one of them always lies, the other one always tells the truth. And right, you got to figure out which one. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, you're just kind of exploring that, uh, going up the tower. There's a there's a big tower in Zozo, like a really tall one. You have to there's go a, all it's like a, the way up. It's like New York City. Like it's like a big. <laughs> I don't know. It's the most technologically advanced place we've been to so far. Except it's falling apart. <laughs> it's a mess. Maybe it was at one time, you know, uh, a better place. But anyway, you get to the top, and Tara is there. She's oh. kind of just sleeping on a bed. Did There's something, something else. There is something, but I'm trying to think. This is actually probably not something that would happen normally. Um, I what I stayed at the inn as oh, I am, as I am wont in to do. Zozo, not in Zozo in Jidor. I think oh, in Jidor. Um, there's an auction house that's like super cool. Um, there's like fun oh, stuff yeah. going mm-hmm. on in that in that city. I just love the town. Um, but I had like a dream. Oh. I don't think I stayed there, so I missed that. Well, is it is it the, is it the Clyde thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're referring to here. Anyways, there's some backstory did, about. Wait, K- did you recruit Shadow? Is yes. that why you had yeah. this dream? I basically recruit him every time. Okay. Because because I why not? Yeah. As if I have room, like I just yeah. kind of every time I come by him, I'm like, yeah, why not, dude? Yeah. Come along. <laughs> so I didn't recruit him, so I wouldn't have seen this. That's why. Oh, okay. But go ahead. Go ahead. I just don't want to miss anything. Yeah, right. Um, and it turns out there's a thing, right? So you <laughs> stay at the end, and I, of course, I stay at all the ends. Uh, whatever. It's just, it's just a thing. So, um, there's like a dream that takes place of somebody named Clyde and somebody named Baram, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's. Anyways, one of the characters, I don't know. There's a story that needs to be pieced together, but there's the beginnings of of a a story about a character named Clyde and Baram. They're kind of like robbers. They would rob trains. They would like rob people, but one of them passed away and the other one had to leave and go try to fend, you know, try to live life as best they could and then stumbled across a dog. Right. Yeah. That's about all that I've got. I don't yeah. know if there's more to come later. There, um, there'll be there'll be more to okay, two okay. piece together with that. But I got to keep yeah. hiring him. His price keeps going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I actually the reason why I didn't um, recruit him here is because he still has that one in sixteenth chance of leaving, and he yeah. costs a lot of money. To, <clears throat> he does to recruit, and he could just leave you whenever. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, we'll definitely talk more about that uh, later on. Um, you get to the top of the tower in Zozo though, and this is where Tara is at. She's just there kind of sleeping in a bed and there's this yeah, very nice, old dude. Like sweet, like a penthouse yep. suite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this old, old man, uh, wizard, wizardly. It's, it's Rama. <laughs> Rama. Um, the, you know, the classic Final Fantasy, summon the lightning, summon La- yes. Rama. Rama means height mm. or like a hill. Yep. And so they're there and they're like, uh, you know, like, oh my gosh. Tara, like, are you okay? And then he's like, she's frightened. And they're like, who are you? And he says, the girl is your friend, I presume. And depending on who's in your party, I kind of liked that they did this back in the day. You'll get kind of some different flavor text, right? So like, if you have Ga in a certain spot, like Ga will be the one responding oh, really? to all oh, the stuff if, he says. Okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> So it's like, he'll say it in his like, wild like man broken. way of, of I talking. I like that though. Yeah. That's fun. Um, and then, of course, if Cyan is there, he'll he'll be real kind of like old school and how he talks. And so anyway, the, the, the important thing is they're asking if she's all right. And Rama says, so her name is Tara. Tara, you say. Interesting. So obviously mm-hmm. in the state that she was in, 
she was not able to really communicate or speak with him. No. So he didn't even and know she who she like was. she kind of like crawls out of the bed and like runs around the room a little bit and ends up yeah. at the top somewhere. And she's just, yeah, she's kind of freaking out. She And she's not talking. It's like, yeah. it's almost like she just forgot it, It's It's, she's like animalistic almost. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. Like just has no like uh, control over like what she's thinking or doing. Yeah. Um, so he says that her life is in no danger. She simply used a power she didn't know she had, and it overwhelmed her. Now her body won't listen to what she's telling it to do. As for myself, I am Rama the Esper. And they're like, what? You're an Esper? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they ask, well, I thought Espers lived in another world. Like, what's that all about? And he's like, that doesn't mean that, they're, that there's anything stopping us from living in this one. Espers come in a variety of forms. My appearance is similar to your own, so I can live here as one of you without fear of anyone discovering the truth. So he's one of the few Espers that looks humanoid, yeah. so he can get away with mm, not right. being like you know immediately sort of picked out as an Esper. Um, and this kind of comes into play in, into what he describes as his own cowardice for running away from all the other Espers and kind of leaving them to their fate in the Empire. But... Um, so uh, they ask him, why, why hide the fact that you're an esper? He says, human espers are incompatible creatures. And, you know, the response to that is something along the lines, but I thought a long time ago, humans and espers lived together in harmony. But, I, you know, it's just a, <laughs> something my grandfather told me. <laughs> it's always, it's always <laughs> a just legend. A legend. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just, you know, fairy tales. <laughs> Every fairy tale is true in JRPGs. Absolutely. Um, so Rama says, uh, no, that was no fairy tale. That was the truth. Humans and espers used to live together in harmony, at least until the War of the Magi. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like we need a soundboard they or something. set it up it's every like, time. The War of the... <laughs> exactly. Very ominous stuff. Oh, man. Um, and they're like, until the War of the Magi... Not that, not that fake thing that definitely isn't real and that is totally just a legend. Uh, and then he, he does some more explanations here of what it was. So it took place long ago. Espers fought humans who had been infused with magical powers extracted from other espers. Right. So, you know, kind of going along with what Bannon was saying earlier, humans captured espers and they sort of like drained their powers and then put them into their technology and into their soldiers. And then the espers and the humans were fighting against each other. So they were just, you know, using espers and draining them for power. Yeah. Um, kind of a fantasy trope. Uh, even going back, like, you know, you know, draining people's soul energy for oh, to be sure. used for <clears throat> magic, right? Um, yeah. Rama says, after the meaningless war had ended, the espers fashioned a new realm to which they exiled themselves. They feared that if they remained... Uh, it would only be a matter of time before their powers were targeted again. But then one day, about 20 years ago, humans stumbled upon the entrance to that hidden realm. Humans who knew of espers and of the secret of our powers. So they just randomly stumbled upon it. Hmm. Um, so it wasn't like necessarily sealed off or closed. It was just kind of hidden. No, oh, sure. Just, just place yeah. that was kind of hidden. That makes sense. Uh, and thus began the hunt for Gestal, the leader of the men. Uh, for Gestal, the leader of the men, knew that he could use the powers um, extracted from us to create an invincible army. So Gestal is going to try to repeat the mistakes of the past. Yes, of course. Um, as soon as we realized what was happening, we erected a massive gate and forced the humans out. So now they've sealed it off. 
with like a door, like right. a magical door that like keeps humans from getting into their realm now. I um, always wondered why this happens where there's like a super powerful God race that the humans enslave. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like, can the espers like defend themselves? Um, well, I, I assume they're incapable. I would assume that, uh, I mean, cause it's, I don't, well, he does make a distinction here between magicite, which is what happens when the espers die. And then mm. like the person left with the stone, like can learn the full powers of that esper right. versus just like the magic extraction that they do. It's not like the oh, full right, potential right. of a, of a esper's power. So it would depend on who struck first if it was an esper at unawares who was then killed and turned into magicite and a human gets that and now they can fight with the power of an esper and they kill another one and then you got sure. more than one and all of a sudden it's like oh crap like these dudes can fight us now and you know i, I can see how it's like could a happen. chain reaction kind of thing well and if the espers just are are a peaceful group you know, yeah. I could see something like that. Although, yeah, I mean, they're summons. You use them to fight. They can fight. No, they, they can definitely fight. <laughs> they are good fighters. <laughs> so, they can definitely fight. Anyways, I always wonder how stuff like that happens. But. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Those who were captured, uh, he's saying, during the time at which Gestalt found the Esper land. Mm. And some of, some of the Espers were captured before they kept, created this gate and sealed it closed. Yeah. Those who were captured are now in the Empire's Magitech research facility, being yeah. drained of their powers. I narrowly escaped that same fate, and now I'm here with you. And he has survivor's guilt. Yes. He, he feels lived. like a coward yeah. for running away, right? Yeah. Um, and then he's, well, actually, he doesn't use the word coward in this translation. Oh, in mine he did. In, in that one he did, yeah. yeah. Um, then he says, she seems to have calmed down a bit. I called Tara here to me when I sensed that she had lost control. She responded to that call. Hmm. So Tara's an Esper, they all say. No, she's a bit different from us. Doesn't, <laughs> fails, doesn't to elaborate. Elaborate, yeah. fails to elaborate. Fails to elaborate. They got a meme going around right now. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the Giga Chad memes, like. No, like the, I mean, the like insane bodybuilder guy, <laughs> I right? Don't like think the so. like the Chad guy. Anyway, no. uh, there's this meme using that meme for it's like a meme built on a meme, but right. um, comes in, makes some sort of outlandish statement, fails to elaborate, and leaves, and it's just like this like Giga Chad guy. You know, <laughs> it's basically what Rama does in the scene. <laughs> nice. um, <clears throat> once she understands her true nature, the fear and doubt should subside. So it's going to take some time. We can't get her back yet. She right. needs time to rest. She needs time to come to terms with who she is and what she is. And she got to learn to control this and yeah. just leave her here for now. Uh, go to the Magitech research facility in the capital of the empire and yeah, help my, here. my, um, help my Esper friends. That's basically like the next mission, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. You know, then he. Just kind of like dies <laughs> right then and there. He he turns himself into magicite, um, and so do there was a few others that he had collected of the people who had died when he was down there. And then we get them all, and among them is Kirin, Kirin, Kirin mm -hmm. and um, well another one. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, well you stay, have you stay have stray stray. That's it. Stray, um, and then what's Kirin, the and then you have. Um, Gosh, what is it? It's the one that teaches oh, you um, the... Oh, um, the mermaid. Um, Siren. 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 So you get Siren, Kirin, and um, 
you know, straight. Stray. And, and there's one more too. Well, it's, it's rum. Well, then him. It's rum. Yeah, yeah. Rum yeah. is the fourth one. Yeah. yeah. And so you get quite a bit here, which is really cool. Um, you know, siren means like a mermaid or whatever from the ancient Greek legends and stuff. Uh, but Kirin is funny because Kirin in Japanese means giraffe. It's the word for giraffe. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But it's written in katakana. There's actually an older tradition of the Kirin um, that comes from older Japan and China and Korea. Um, and the Kirin is like a mythical beast. It's like a mix between a dragon and an ox and a deer and a horse. What? <laughs> it's like all of them together. And, but if you look at the ancient like depictions of the Kirin, um, it's it's kind of looks a bit like a giraffe. Mm. And so, because it's got the head of a dragon, but like the body of um, of an ox, it's got a long neck, or the body of a deer. Anyways, um, it's basically uh, what when they ended up seeing a giraffe, they're like, that's a kidding, right? And so <laughs> they're like, kidding, 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 that's it. So they figured it out. So the Japanese word that comes from an older mythology for giraffe is kidding. That's I funny. think it's great. Yeah. That's really funny. Uh, by the way, he does call himself a coward here. Oh, he does. I escaped alone, abandoning my friends and hiding here like a coward, but I fear I can remain here no longer. So he decides he's yeah. going to suicide in order to gift them with his, yeah. his powers, his mag his magicite, right? Um, he but he can still speak to us after he does that. Yeah. So it's like he's still around in some form. Is still among us. Yeah, his spirit, the spirit of Rama <laughs> endures. <laughs> Gestalt's methods are mistaken. You can't drain an Esper's powers by force. That weakens them. Only when we become Magicite can our powers be transferred in full. So this mm. is where he's like, he's willingly giving his life in order to give them the purest form of his powers, right? And so this is essentially the way in which uh, your characters learn magic, uh, magical abilities in this game. Um, it, it's not terribly dissimilar to Final Fantasy VII. You equip a Materia, in this game, a Magicite, mm -hmm, and you yeah. gain magic points with every battle, which right. go into slowly unlocking like, like abilities. abilities within yeah. that are contained within that Materia or that Magicite. Same idea. Um, and so certain uh, espers will have certain magic and then others will have others. So you have to switch them around yeah. and uh, teach your characters the spells you want them to know. Um, you know, some of them will have level two spells or level one spells, but they, there's like a, like a, a factoring number. So like a, a, a ultimate, like a multiplier. So it's like with this spell, a level one ice spell, let's just say it'll maybe have like a, a, a 10 times multiplier on it, which means that every, at the end of every battle, you receive a certain number of magic points. Let's say it's two that will now be multiplied by the multiplier. So if it's 10, that means you'll get 20 percent into learning that ability nice. and so some of them will have a really low multiplier like just one so it's like you get for every one ability point you get you get one percent into learning this you have to fight a hundred battles or whatever yeah. you know to actually unlock that spell but then another magicite might have the same ability but with a faster learning rate and so anyways it's kind of a mm. fun sort of like swapping that you do between characters as you try to teach them. And some of them have the ability to, upon leveling up, it'll give you like a boost to a, a stat, say like magic power. Or so like when you want to have stray, I think it's stray actually. Oh yeah. Um, every time a character levels up and has that Esper equipped, they will get plus two points 
or I think it's plus one, and then there's another Esper later that's plus two. Hmm. But it gives you an extra magic point. So you have that equipped on them over multiple levels, they get way more strong in yeah. magic. Their magic becomes way more powerful. And there's other ones that'll have like physical attack and defense or HP or whatever yeah. it might be. So you, you get you can get really like involved in this like <laughs> min-maxing sort of uh, game where you're trying to like boost your character stats like as optimally as possible. And some people, you know, think that's tedious and it is, but scroll up a little bit. There was a really good comment here from keep going a little more and stop from Paxing Cristo. Is that it? Yep. He says, I really like this from a story game interweaving standpoint. Like the spirit of the Esper is quietly teaching you their secrets, yep. right? So you you kind of get the spirit and as you're mm -hmm. battling, it's like you can't just use the full power immediately, right? Yeah. It, it takes some time and you yeah. have to learn to kind of what communicate with the with the spirit of the Esper. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Final Fantasy Seven had a very similar idea. The the knowledge of the ancients returns to the life stream the life stream becomes materia so it actually yeah, contains right, right. the memories of the ancients yeah, and yeah. their abilities which and was so magical like abilities you're accessing the memories. you're accessing the yeah, memories of the ancients cool. so similar yeah. idea but love in it, this game it, it's it. espers and their abilities so <clears throat> from here so we uh, we gotta find a way to get into the empire you need an ah, airship yes. yep there is only one airship in the in world the whole world <laughs> so We'll see if we can get it or not. <laughs> yep. So uh, well, you, the whole party kind of shows up at this yeah, point. Yeah, right? you you get to Jador, and um, you find out. Well, this guy Setzer is the one who has the only airship <laughs> the only in the airship. world, and it's like, well, we got to set up a, a meeting with this guy Setzer. We got to use his airship to go to yeah. the Empire. It just and so happens. That yeah, <laughs> he's there's a funny connection that happens. Yeah, there. so. There's an opera house south of Jador, yep. and there's a, a famous opera singer named Maria. Maria. A beautiful, talented opera singer who Setzer is in love with, and he wants to kidnap her and force <laughs> her to marry him, which is, again, a lot of these games, <laughs> if you remade them in the modern age, there's certain elements that just wouldn't work. They Especially would not... since, um, well, <laughs> anyway, I, may, we may not get there, so we'll see. But... I do have to bring up a couple things. Um, some people in the comments have brought up, and it, this is now is a decent enough time to, to bring it up as well, that a lot of the names from this game are references to operas and ancient yeah. or ancient st stories or songs or poems or anything like that. Um, there is the name Celestina. Celestina references mm, like yep. an old, an old. Well, I, I thought it was a book, but it's an old um, kind of story or play from. I think Spain, but a long time ago. Um, and basically, the reason that's important is because it's got the name Celeste Antina, right, um, in it. Uh, but also Figaro, Figaro is yep. you know famous for opera reasons, as well as Maria being something along the lines of Ave Maria, um, the famous um, song performed in something like an opera house, yep. like in <clears throat> Cowboy Bebop. Yes, in Cowboy Bebop. Um, so. Uh, there's a bunch of references to operas and things uh, of that nature yeah. throughout this whole game. But Maria is also is one of those. But understand that the name Maria is the name Mary. They're yeah. basically the same name. And I'll talk a little bit about the significance of that later. Yeah. But first, before we leave Zozo, there's that really cool moment where all the characters are together. And uh, as, they're, as they're leaving the buildings, you're getting these conversations, you know, mm -hmm. these little vignettes. And everyone's kind of telling them their little side and what they've been doing. What do we do now? Um, 
It's really good. I love it. Yep. This um, is where um, Celeste, uh, this is great. Um, Celeste says, Locke, why are you coming with me? Because as soon as they're like, oh, we got to split up again. And Locke's like, I'm going with Celeste. <laughs> yep. Celeste is like, why are you coming with me? And yeah. Locke says, oh, well, there's bound to be treasure there. <laughs> right? Because they're going to go break into the thing. And Celeste yeah. is like, I'm going to go to Vector and I'm going to break into the research lab. And Locke's like, I'm coming too. Uh, yeah, there might be some treasure. I don't know. Maybe dot, 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 dot. Mm-hmm. And he really just wants to uh, kind of stick by her side. Right. And, you know, she's the natural choice to be someone to infiltrate the Empire. Exactly. she knows it. She's been there. Right. Which she, also raises questions. Yes. Because she's been, she, she knows what's going on there more than anyone else. Right. And she hasn't said much about it. No, she, and, and this, is impo- this is important, I feel like. It's important to note that Celeste has not been necessarily super forthwith with information. No. Um, or, like, uh, vulnerable about who she was before or really right. open about it at all. She's been pretty tight lipped about all yeah, that. Yeah. And th- this is an important setup for something it coming is. later. So, um, just keep that in mind. So, okay. So in Jadur, um, several people, but specifically in one house where the impresario lives, mm-hmm. uh, they, as soon as they see us, they're like, Whoa, you look like Maria. Yep. And it's, they're talking about Celeste, right? Yes. And it's just she like, oh my like gosh. Maria. And then you go to the impresario and he's just like, oh, Maria. And it's like, why does everyone think that she's Maria, right? Yep. She happens to look very much like Maria. Yep. Uh, he, she he, looks he like a woman named her. Mary. By yep. anyways. Sorry, I mistook you for someone else. Wow, you could pass for Maria in a heartbeat. Oh dear, we're really in trouble this time. So yep. he's upset because <laughs> it's so funny because it's not, he shows like, some concern about Maria, but he's mostly concerned that he's going to lose his job if the performance doesn't <laughs> <Right>. go well. <laughs> exactly. Which is funny because you can actually screw up the performance. Um, in, and, yeah. As you and you get a game play. over. Yes. Yeah. It's really funny. And, but they gives you like three more chances. Yeah. Like right. you can always come back and do more. Um, he's also not too worried about hiring somebody who has no opera experience uh, because, oh no, if I don't hire you, it won't be a success. It's like, dude, yeah. you hire somebody who's not trained in opera, right. your play's going to fail. Your <laughs> opera's going to fail. <laughs> like, this isn't really a, a real solution to your problem. Not really. Like, it's, it's, it's enough to look like someone if they're close up, right? Yeah. But for opera, I mean, you people are sitting pretty far away. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter how, what she looks like. It matters yeah. what she sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the letter that... Uh, Setzer had left, saying, ah, dearest yeah. Maria, I've decided to take you as my wife, <laughs> so I'll be coming to kidnap you. <laughs> then we get a little intro to Setzer, right, even though he's yeah. not really present. A gambling vagabond yeah. who finds freedom from society's narrow views of morality aboard his airship, the Blackjack. Oh my narrow gosh. views of morality, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. You can't just force women to become your wife forever? Yeah. Um, uh I have to bring this up because I just have to. Um, so Celeste, the girl who no one has ever seen her true face as a woman, looks like a woman named Mary. So, right. We had talked about that a little bit last time with the... Yes. Yeah. And the typical way, the typical way yeah. that Mary is referred to when you're talking about the mother of Christ is the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Right. So we're getting... Um, we're getting some of that right here. So we're starting to understand Celeste's character a little bit better just through implication in that way. Yep. 
so let's see. The plan here is to swap them. Uh, they kind of follow yeah. the guy to the opera house. They're like, hey, let's let Setzer kidnap Maria. He's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, don't worry. We'll swap them out. And, uh, he, of course, Locke didn't uh, run this by Celeste first. But we'll, no, we'll replace we'll place, replace Maria with Celeste, and she'll be the one, and then I'll follow him back to his airship. And, and Celeste, <laughs> she has a really funny line. She's like, uh, oh, did I? Where is it? She's very upset. My note just says, haha, Celeste is embarrassed and pissed. I'm not some opera floozy. Floozy. And then she runs into the room, and you can hear her going, me, me, Dory, me, Mari, she's like, Maria. She's like trying to, you know, like sing. She's like doing practice. her best. So it's funny because she like rejects yeah. the notion that she's an opera floozy, but then she's immediately singing. So obviously yes. there's a part of her that's actually excited to perform. She's kind of like, oh yeah. And uh, she's I can very willing. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, she kind of pushes Locke aside as she tries to go in the door, but she runs into the door and like doesn't get in yeah. immediately. And she kind of like, like, she's kind of stumbling around. She's embarrassed. She's not happy that they didn't tell her about the plan, but she is happy to play the part in the plan. Like, yeah. she's just upset that they didn't talk to her for ahead of time. Other than that, she's all good. Like, yeah. she's all in. Yep. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> we get another Ultros uh, scene oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> I actually really like this. It's it so really funny. funny. It was so funny. He, like, has this, like, master plan of how he's going to screw up the play. And he, like, writes a note about it, like, explaining what he's going to do. And he, like, throws the note to them. And no one notices Nobody it. Nobody sees <laughs> it. He's, he's like, like oh. he's all mad. <laughs> He's so mad. Gah! Isn't anyone going to read it? He says. Uh, it's really funny. Um, He's pretending to be Setzer in the letter. Yeah. It's so funny. So um, as we go through and sort of analyze the opera scene here, um, my as always, I'm concerned that not really prepared to do it justice, but. It's um, one of the best scenes of the game. It's very fun. Yeah. Very cool. And. There's there's good subtext here in in the lyrics of of the songs, um, and so we'll try to we'll go word by word and kind of pick it out and um, think about it as Celeste is performing this right. Y- y- Celeste is finding, as good art does, I guess, like the meaning for her, and so yeah. when she's performing it, I imagine that she's reading like she's singing the words but it's applying to her celeste not just to the character she's playing and and she's she's embodying the emotion of it how how it relates to what she's really going through right Right. now and so the performance ends up sort of against uh, logic right actually being really good being quite good because her heart is really in it as she's singing it because it actually means something to her um, and, yeah. and her internal conflict and what she's going through currently. You, um, get, you get to see that too, because as the opera starts and like everything goes black and then it, it begins, Locke kind of stands up and he goes to talk to her. And at that moment, you can read the whole thing. You can read the script, like the storyline, yes. how it's supposed to go. Um, and you're supposed to remember it. Yeah. It's Memorize okay if it. you don't. You have three, <laughs> you have three tries <laughs> to get it right. Or four, actually. Three more tries after you fail uh, once, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, so... It's it's really good. Did you copy down the the lyrics? Yeah, I've got them all here. Okay, good, good. 
So let's just kind of go through it. I mean, yeah. the, the opera on its face is, you know, kind of just the classic uh, love story of a man and a woman. He goes off to war. Yeah. She doesn't know if he'll come back. She's a princess. She gets betrothed to someone else she doesn't love. He returns and they fight a duel, you know, yeah. to win her hand kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Classical sort of story like that. Yep. So it starts off. Oh, I, by the way, I love um, the animation of the like the conductor. Yeah, it's super fast. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's and, like, and like getting all cardio. The, man. All the people like playing the, <laughs> yeah. all the musicians playing, uh, you know, down underneath the stage, and um, yeah, very good. Uh, the music is really great. Just like um, overall, like Uematsu did a really, really convincing opera piece here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds very classical. Um, it's it's really good. Uh, and then, you know, in the versions we're playing, they tried to do kind of mimic a voice. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound very much no, like a voice. No, not really. But. but in the, and people have been asking us to bring up the Pixel remasters. Yeah. So we might as well do that here. Um, in the Pixel remaster version, which Kaysen's got pulled up, we're going to watch it yeah. now because he hasn't seen it yet. I um, they They kind of break away from the normal 2D graphics of the game. And they do kind of an Octopath Traveler HD 2D thing. So it's like she's walking around in a 3D castle. They can move the camera a little bit. And they have um, actual opera singers in several different languages. So cool. if you have the PC versions, which I recommend because you can mod them, um, you could do an Italian, the Italian opera singer who performs, who is excellent. I mean, just mm -hmm. really, really good. Um, sounds like it. Sounds I think, like Italy. I think the French version was the other one I liked second best. Okay. Um, but there's also Spanish. There's also German, I think. German. There's Japanese. Um, I want to say there's another Asian language like Korean, but I can't remember hmm. for sure. And then there's English. And I, in my opinion, the English is the worst <laughs> of no, them all. Oh, really? Um, Japanese isn't much better. Uh, but the but the Italian version is outstanding. So I don't know which one you have. Probably the English one. I think I have the English one. I would pull up the... I would pull up the Italian version because uh, it's phenomenal. Beautiful, beautiful. Pretty cool. Um, I like what they did with it. Um, so cool. uh, we haven't talked about the Pixel remasters much. That's not because, <laughs> well. It's not because we aren't aware. It's not because we're not aware of it or that we, we think it's bad or something necessarily. It's just that we're just playing these versions that we've got. I do have the Pixel remasters on PC. Um, they're not my preferred way of playing these games unless you heavily mod them. And there mm. is a great modding community on discord okay. i've linked to them in the past in a video maybe we should do that again just so people can check it out if they want to cool. um they're constantly updating it and making it easier and easier and easier to do and so you can change the sprites to the original versions if you want to do that you can you know do all these things that to sort of improve it that the the fonts uh, all kinds of things so um you can tailor it into being sort of like your personal perfect version of final fantasy six if you want <laughs> yeah um and so mm -hmm. if you if you want to take the time to do that then i would definitely recommend the pixel remastered versions of the game um but uh this scene in particular i thought they did a pretty good job with 
Yeah, um, it's beautiful. So I like it. Now. So when you, when Locke gets up to go talk to Celeste, uh, you can talk to like your party that's yes. there. Did you have Sa- Sabin, Sabin, Sabin in your I party? had, no, I had Gaw <laughs> so and um, oh, what Edgar. Oh, say it? I can't remember, oh, but it was funny. Okay. Well, I think he said pretty, so pretty or something like that. Oh, nice. That's the, the music. Sabin just says, why, why is everyone singing? <laughs> It's so good. He's such a <laughs> he's such like a meathead. It's so funny. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> oh man, I like that a lot. Um, oh yeah, but it's important too when Locke goes to into the dressing room to talk yes. to Celeste that um, they kind of have a brief moment where she's all dressed up in the opera outfit, right? And Locke's face turns red because she's you know really pretty, um, and he tells her that. He wants to save her because he couldn't save Rachel, basically. Right. And she kind of instigates it. She's like, hey, you know, I'm getting some weird vibes. And he's like, yeah, well, there was once this girl I couldn't save her. So I'm going to save you instead. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Um, oh, yeah, I've got it here. I've got all the things your party members will say. So oh, good. Edgar, Edgar says, go on, give her some encouragement. Sabin says, huh? Why is everyone singing? <laughs> so it was so good. <laughs> Cyan says, where art thou going? Thou should relax and enjoy the show. And then Ga says, ooh, wow, pretty song, pretty song. Okay, there you go. So that's what I they love say. It. Um, anyway, go ahead. So I love that they kind of rehashed uh, Locke's I- issue and Celeste uh, kind of at the same time, right before you she get goes into on the stage. opera. Where yes. it's like, hey, just so you know, Locke has like this issue and whatever. He can't let go. He's got these problems. Um, so you go in and it's so funny cause it's, it's so, if you're going to make a mistake, you'll probably do it on the very first one. Yes. Um, it's 50, 50, I guess, but it's like you, you read through the whole thing and it's like, okay, great. But if you don't realize that the game wants you to like, you're actually gonna have to input the whole thing. You actually, yes. you really do have to memorize this and Locke tells Celeste, Hey, make sure you memorize it. Yeah. Um, then like, you're going to have a bad time. Right. So anyways, it's hilarious because you have, I think three or four chances to, like totally screw up the whole opera and then you just come back and everything's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Like the impresario is like talking about how, oh no, the show today will be a failure, but it's like you can screw it up <laughs> so many times uh, before it's an actual problem. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. Not to mention that like when it really goes to hell and like Ultros drops down and like I know, stuff, he's just he just rolls with it. Right? <laughs> just, he does. Oh, no, who's well, going to win her heart? The thief or the... <laughs> like <laughs> like um, oh, what would the word be? It, right? Yeah, but there's or, like... Um, Oh, you're talking about like imp- WWE or something. Yeah, oh, just an yeah. improv, just like, oh no, what's going to happen now? Oh, geez. Come it's, back next week to yes. see the resolution. It's part two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. So, yeah. So, th- this is, this is kind of an important scene here between Locke and Celeste. We, we've already gotten some. Oh, I forgot to mention back in Rachel's little tomb <laughs> in no, the basement geez, there. Your mausoleum, um, where she's still alive. Right. Uh, dead, but also alive. Yeah. If Celeste is in the party during that section, there's an extra little bit of dialogue where they all walk up the stairs at the end and she yes. kind of runs back down yes, and that, looks yeah. at her for a second and then says something like lock, dot, 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 and like runs yep. back. So again, there, there's kind of some complex feelings going on here with Celeste. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep in mind a couple of things from the first instance where Locke met her in the prison, right? So she's, she's being beaten by the guards. And she's, she's calling out their cowardice for not doing something or being complicit in this idea that Kefka 
is going to poison Doma. Like she's oh, a, she's aware of this. Right. She brings it up. I think in the SNES version, she says something like, "Isn't it true that Kefka's yeah. going to poison all the people of Doma?" And the guy's like, "Shut up!" And like smacks yeah. her or whatever. And uh, the important thing there is <clears throat> that she she is a traitor for speaking the truth. Yes. Right. So and they're they're all beating her up, and she's like, "But but it's true, right?" Yeah. And they're like. That doesn't matter if it's true or not. Like, yes. We're going to beat you up. You're a traitor. You're bad because you spoke the truth. And you're going to be executed for it. Like mm. your execution date's tomorrow. That's right. Like, that's that, right. that was the important thing. Executed I to bring for up. speaking the truth. Yeah. Right. So she was going to be killed because she was going to reveal this plan yeah. to poison the people of Doma. And that's why she was in prison there, right? And so she had tried to stand up to that. Now, during that scene, Locke is, you know, trying to get her out. And she's like, why are you helping me? Mm-hmm. First of all, you're a returner. I am a general of the Imperial <laughs> Army. Yeah. We're enemies. Why are you right. helping me? Um, this is really strange that you're doing this. So she's she's been observing him. You, you'll notice she hasn't done a lot of stepping into the spotlight until literally this scene yeah. where she's singing in the opera. Mm-hmm. For the most part, she's kind of held back in the Mm, background and she's just observed mostly him. She's really Mm. curious about like why he did that. Hmm. And one of the things she says to him, cause she's a little bit injured, like her leg is hurting and she's sort of limping and he's he's like trying to help her. And she's like, it's no use. Just forget about me. It will be better for me to just wait for the executioner. Hmm. So she was ready to die. She had already resigned herself to that. That's right. She probably felt like she deserved it because mm. she had been a part of this evil empire. Yeah. And yeah. as we'll learn a little bit later, probably in the next episode, we'll learn about something that had happened that she feels some pretty extreme guilt about. Mm-hmm. And she has not revealed to anyone else. And Kefka uses that fact right. against them uh, in their sort of like relationship building, trust building between each other that they're doing as they're fighting alongside each other. So Celeste has not been very open with him and he's been the total opposite. He's an open book to her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so in this scene, he, he turns away. Have you always been that pretty? And Celeste says, Locke, why did you stand up for me when you did? She still doesn't get it. Like, why Mm. did you do that? Uh, and, and, but she's piecing it together, the real reason. <laughs> right. And he says, because I'm tired of standing by and doing nothing while I lose the girls I like, which he, he finally, you know, he, hmm. he states the truth. Okay. And so then am I just a replacement for her, for that girl in the boss, creepy mausoleum in that yeah, town back there? Celeste, this yeah, is yeah. freaking weird. <laughs> right. Cause right? she says like, oh, and you see her in me. Yes. Yeah. So am I just a replacement for her, right? Is this really why you're doing this? Do you actually care about me? Um, she doesn't believe she's worthy of that. Mm. So it, it would be hard for her to accept it anyways. Now that she's seen this, it's like even easier not to accept that. I'm just a replacement for her, right? His response to that is that ribbon looks nice on you, which I really right. like because he's not answering the question. Right. Because I don't think he knows how to answer the question no, yet. no, no, no. Because he needs to sort it out himself first. Like, obviously, his feelings for Rachel are still there. Obviously, he still has hope that that relic out there exists that he can find and bring her back. But, like, probably also feels something genuinely for her. Exactly. But, like, what do you say in response to that? 
like, no, I, I still have feelings for my dead fiance and I'm going to try to bring her back to life, <laughs> but I like you too. <laughs> but like, that's not the right thing to say. No, no, not at all. But that, that is what he would say were he to be honest. Yeah. But you can't. So he can't answer the question, so he doesn't. Yeah. That ribbon looks nice on you. I thought it was a really nice touch. Yeah. And then, you know, they just kind of move on. I have to go onto the stage soon. The next scene's an important one. Maria starts to worry that something's happened to Draco and pours her feelings into song. Uh, Shouldn't you check the score one last time? So let's read the words that she sings. Okay. Oh, my hero, my beloved, shall we still be made to part? Though promises of perennial love, yet sing here in my heart. I'm the darkness, you're the starlight shining brightly from afar. Through hours of despair, I offer this prayer to you, my evening star. Must my final vows uh, exchanged be with him and not with you? Were you only here to quiet my fear? Oh, speak, guide me anew. I think it's in particular the line, I'm the darkness, you're the starlight. Yeah, and particularly the evening star. So the evening star is the first star to show up when the sun is setting. Yes. That's the evening star. And it's usually a planet, but they still call it the star. It's usually Venus or Jupiter or something like that. Um, But this is referencing that the sun is setting, right? So the morning star is the first star, Mm. the last star to still be there when the sun rises, right? And then, but the evening star is when the sun is setting, right? So there's this darkness and he's the, yeah, anyways. So- I feel like she feels like, because she had resigned herself to execution. I mean, you don't do that unless you feel like you deserve it, right? right? Unless you feel guilty about something. I'm the darkness. You're the starlight shining brightly from afar. This is what Locke is sort of representing to her. Hmm. This star came into the darkness of the dungeon she was in and just sort of like gave her this second opportunity at life that she had totally given up on. Yeah. And she doesn't get it. But she's conflicted about it because is it really real? Like, do you actually feel genuine feelings for me? Or is this all about yeah. your dead ex and yeah. I'm ju- you're just using me as some way to like make up for the fact that you failed? So there's like a lot of conflict going yeah. on in her. And I think she's reading some of that in oh, totally. the yes. words here. And yes. so it comes through in the performance. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a little more about the evening star in particular is that the sun is the light. The sun is the hope, right? The yeah. sun is like what you, you're looking to. It's the, it's the fulfilling, you know, brightness. But as it leaves and disappears, it's the oncoming darkness. Yeah. But then when you see that evening star after the sun goes down, it's almost as if it's almost like that's the new hope, right? Yes. Like the sun is gone. Your hope is gone. The brightness is, is gone. But what is this I see off in the distance? It's almost as if like the beginnings of a new star or the beginnings of a new light source, like a new, a new, you know, sun. If you, if you focus on that, you know, single point of light enough, you know, it can eventually, you know, become bright. But the idea being that when hope is gone, this is the new hope in in her mind. You know, you got Tara, who's like the last hope, the only hope. (laughs) (laughs) The last Um, ray of hope. The last ray of hope. That's going to be something that plays into kind of the central theme of the whole game is this idea of a, a last ray of hope in this yeah. total darkness, this absolute yeah. hopeless situation. And that's the evening star. Yeah. So, so like cool. th- this is, this is building on that concept of the Pandora's box. So that's yeah. kind of where it was introduced yep. with Terra being the little that glimmer. last ray of hope or whatever. It's kind of being enforced here. And in, in a more personal sense, it's, it's Celeste's, darkness and locks being the the last ray of hope 
because she was ready to give up. Oh yeah, she was done. And she was ready to just totally throw her life away and didn't care anymore. And again, I don't feel like you do that unless you believe you deserve it. You feel some extreme guilt about something. Mm. And this person comes in, no, I care about you. You're worth loving. Like, and, but then the, 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 that sort of like, kernel that she might want to hang on to is conflicted by this idea that it might not be real. It might just be his way of replacing someone else. And that hurts bad. Right. That's true. (laughs) For someone who was in like the dire straits, the final moments and like this ray of hope came in, but then it's not really the ray of hope you thought it was. Well, that is the idea of the evening star is that it, it, it presents itself as though the sun is gone and now the, it is the stars turn to rain, you know? Yes. The evening star shows up and the evening star will act like the sun. Yeah. But it's like, so not the sun, right? Yeah. And so if she's like, oh my gosh, there's this thing, the, the, her hope is gone, but here's the new hope. Oh, it's great, it's great. And, and it's just, it's not... It's not the sun. No. <laughs> as much as you want it to be the sun, as much as you want it to be the, the brightness of hope, it is but a, a twinkle and it is a, it is a small, and don't mistake it for the sun. Like don't, right. don't mistake that that's what's happening here. Right. Um, and so she's now seeing that. They're like, oh man, I should have known, you know. Yeah. Well, and the then. Sun, the sun that, truly is set. It, it, it really, it, it's really showing that I guess the, the conflict internally she's going through here is, is should I continue to hold on to this ray of hope I was offered by him because it might be more painful to go through this holding on to that to find out that it's false. Yeah. It might have been better to have just given up back there. Sure. Right. Sure. So as as hope fades, you have this little gleamer, right? And if if the star mistakes itself for the sun, then it's just it, it's it's useless. But if the evening star becomes something that ushers in the new the morning, it becomes a morning star, not the evening star. Then it ushers in the light of the sun, and it can bring in the new hope. So the star itself never will become the sun, um, but it can you know it can hail the coming of the of the new morning, which is the the res- restoration of hope. Yeah. So anyways, I think that that's some of the subtext for her as she's going through that. Um, and uh, she, of course, you have the iconic shot where she's standing at the top of the castle and she tosses the, the flowers and the, it like sort of it's silhouetted by the large moon behind it. It's just beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful as she throws uh, it. Yeah. Uh, just one of, I mean, it seems like endless <laughs> sort of like picturesque moments like this that this game has. Yeah. Um, visually, this game is it's astoundingly good. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> the, way, the way that they just sort of frame up these moments is just amazing. Um, okay, so then, you know, that scene ends. Come, Maria, dance with me. Because oh, it's like the ghost of Draco, and she, like, dances with him. Okay. I'm thankful, my beloved, for your tenderness and grace. I see in That's your right, eyes. that dance you got to kind of follow. Yeah, follow yeah, yeah, that was fun. I'm thankful, my beloved, for your tenderness and grace. I see in your eyes so gentle and wise, all doubts and fears erased. Though the hours take no notice of what fate might have in store, our love, come what may, will never age a day. I'll wait forevermore. So she's taking hold of that ray of hope. Even Maria mm-hmm. in the story is holding on to a ray of hope that her fiance even yes. still, well, maybe not fiance, because she's betrothed to someone else now. Oh, you, right. you know what I mean. I do. Is going to come back. And then Prince Ralph comes up and tells her and she needs to come down and they start like a ball scene. It's cool. It's cool. And they're kind of doing their thing. Oh, is this where, um, mm. what's his name? 
Ultros. Ultros comes back. <laughs> it's <laughs> I so funny, man. I freaking love this. He's this is great. This is possibly the funniest line in the game to me yet. <laughs> what? Is when he's up there like, I'm going to like screw everything up. Oh, it's heavy. It's going to take me five minutes to push this thing down. <laughs> That's right. Exactly <laughs> And then five. you have a timer exactly five minutes for Ultros to push the thing. <laughs> I love the game. It's so good. I was laughing so hard. It's so and funny. You know, when things like this happen, like every now and then something funny will happen in a game and you'll be like, was that intentional? Like, did they mean for this to be this silly? I think so. And in this game, it's so clear that yeah. it was like, yeah, they're doing this on, like, this is intentional. It's really funny they're they're owning what they are as a game and they're you know it's very self-aware i i love it yeah good stuff one more thing before we um move on to ultra's <laughs> classic classic <laughs> scene there's another line i wanted to read um it is um must i forget you our solemn promise will autumn take the place of spring mm. now this is in the snes version of course um but this is so much about Locke, right? Because it's like, you can imagine him asking himself this exact question. Must I forget you? Do I have to forget Rachel? Mm, yes. I don't want to. Yep. I'm not going to. I refuse. Yep. Um, and, you know, this our solemn promise, right? Where he ha- felt like he had this promise to protect her that he didn't uphold, right? Mm-hmm. And so then this last line, will autumn take the place of spring? Um it's beautiful because spring is the time for life and youth and birth and beauty. The world is reborn. Uh, people get married. Children are born. The cycle of life continues. Animals too. Animals will usually have, yep. you know, little baby, baby animals in the spring. Yep. Um, for somebody who is about to get married, right, to find that the oncoming spring, you know, the promise of life and future and, and fertility, um, to find that the oncoming spring is, is merely autumn hailing the coming winter it would be absolutely devastating, mm-hmm. right? It's just like the promise. You see that in the line, like autumn took the place of spring when this happened to Locke. And that's just so unfortunate. There will be no marriage. There will be no family, only the bitter cold sting of winter. Mm-hmm. And that's like where he's been this whole time. And I just love the way that the opera just in these short sentences can yeah, really communicate, that. really communicate, not just Celeste, but also Locke and Maria yeah. and everything. Like it all yeah. kind of like they're, they're talking about all these characters at once here and it's beautiful. The subtext of the, the opera is really reinforces the things that Locke and Celeste are struggling with internally in regards to their feelings about each other, his feelings about Rachel, their feelings about their place in the world. It, it's really, really great. And mm-hmm. I, I love that they do this because, I mean, it happens to me all the time. I mean, most recently it happened to me with Jacob's Ladder, right? Oh, you have, you yeah. have something bothering you or something you've been thinking about for a long mm-hmm. time, something you're kind of stuck on. Yeah. And then you, you, you see a movie or you read a book or you, you see some piece of art that like communicates or like clarifies that thing you're thinking yeah. about and presents it in this really beautiful way that just like touches you. And then yeah. all of a sudden it just becomes clear yes. like what you need to do or how you should think about this or, I mean, that's, that's why art is so important and storytelling is so important in our society and in our yeah. culture. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening to them in the scene. It's like, I can imagine, uh, which is what you do with the abstract form of this. You, you mm, go yeah. beyond what's being presented and you yeah. see further, right? As these were designed to be like, you can imagine Locke sitting there listening to this and understanding what you're talking about. Yeah. He's like, he's yeah. like hearing the message 
in the song. And as yeah. Celeste is singing it, she's hearing the message in the song and it's yeah. touching her and it's touching him simultaneously and sort of bringing them closer together, even though he's in the, you know, the top row and she's on the stage and yeah. it's clarifying their feelings, which were oh, set so up before it when they were talking and she's That's asking right, him, am yeah. I just a replacement? And he's saying, gosh, you're so pretty. I'm not supposed to be thinking about you like this. I love Rachel <laughs> yeah. and yeah. all this stuff, right? All this, this confused feelings that they have. Yeah. And it's like, as the performance goes on, they, they come out of that feeling like they have more clarification on what their feelings really are. And that's how the way art yeah. works. It is. And uh, Carl Jung, great. Carl Jung calls that synchronicity. Synchronicity. It's a great word for you it. Know, yes. It, it just applies, you know, the abstract, the art, it just applies. It speaks directly to you. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So things kind of go crazy here. There's a whole lot of chaos. First of all, Ultros is going to drop a four ton weight down onto the heads of the people. And that, but then like, uh, uh, in the middle of that, like you, you go and you try to stop Ultros from pushing that thing down. And yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to fight other enemies on the way to yeah. Ultros, which is you right. know interesting. <laughs> Time is running out. He's got yeah. exactly five minutes. It takes him to push the thing down. <laughs> and then, so um, funny. like in the middle of that, Setzer shows up and grabs Celeste, and he's like, "All right, we're getting That's out right. of here." And the impresario is like, "Oh, this thing is ruined. Like, how do I salvage this?" And we already kind of talked about that, but everything is chaotic. Uh, and anyways, she gets captured. They follow him up to the airship. So we yeah. have kind of a short scene here. Well, it's so funny. Um, I guess there's a few, <laughs> sorry, we've already been going for like two hours, but, um, I actually have a lot more about the opera. So. <laughs> All right, let's go, let's go more on the opera. Let's go more on the okay. opera. So I have a lot, like we don't get like, I'm like down here where you're at. Okay. So, um, first of all, when he falls off, it's, it's wonderful because in the opera, they're talking about, oh, the East and the West, the West is in the decline. We, we shall adopt the ways of the East. Right. Yeah. But then, uh, Locke shows up and ruins the whole play basically. But then it's like, oh no, uh, the impresario is like, who's going to marry Celeste now? And then Locke <laughs> is like, I will. And yep. it's like a third way presents itself, yeah. you know? And right. this is wonderful. Um, and he's, he's like, oh, what dreadful acting. <laughs> 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 it's so good. I love the face he makes. It's oh, yeah. like his, uh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Um, so anyways, he's the third way. This is great. Um, I also have to bring up uh, just a little bit more. Um, there's some more uh, within the opera that really speaks to Locke, but one of the lines is too long to hear her voice once more or too long to hear his voice once more is in the opera. But, mm. um, you know, he wants to hear her talk again, right? Um, then this is great. This line says, we part now, I must go, uh, but I'll never forget you. She then throws the flowers off the ledge and Rachel in her resting place, she's surrounded by a bunch of flowers. That's like her yeah, whole right. thing. Like if you were to symbolize Rachel in a thing, um, especially what I talked earlier about spring, right? Mm. She is a flower. Like that's what represents this. And so, you know, Maria has to throw the flower off the edge, just like Locke kind of needs to do this. He needs to forget it, but he doesn't want to. He's holding on. Um, then uh, come what come what may, I won't age a day. Mm. That's great. I will always I wait for I you. I won't age a day. And, yep. But that's what's happening, right? Wait. She's being kept in this stasis, basically. Yes, she's right. not, like, she's being preserved in this in-between life and death kind of state, Rachel right. is. And um, basically, this part in the opera, talking about, I will wait for you, I won't age a day, you know? It's, it's wonderful. It's like talking directly to Locke. 
And then this part here, yeah, leave the past behind. Our kingdom is adopting the spirit of the East. This is interesting in part because Japan as a country is adopting the spirit of the West and has yeah. been for about 70 years, right? Yeah, or right. more, maybe a hundred and maybe like 150 years, actually. A long uh, time. It's been a while. Um, but it's interesting when people in Japan who have this kind of uneasiness about, you know, losing the culture and adopting this foreign way of life, um, make a game where it's kind of reversed, right? Mm. Where it's like, ooh, the West is in decline and they have to adopt the spirit of the East. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of makes you think like, well, I don't know, like it, in just one sentence, it made me kind of just like stop and wonder like, well, what would that be like? What would it be like for the West to to decline it's ha- we're going we're seeing it's, it it's, it's happening it's <laughs> and for <starting>. the east <laughs> to rise right now maybe not japan it seems more like china but either way it's like as one um declines and as the the other one rises um we may soon get a taste of exactly what that feels like yeah. now the west typically is not the one that <laughs> you know gets colonized um but depending on how things work or whatever happens in the future, um, you can easily see something like this happening, in which case, uh, something that I've never had to think about, which is like, dang, what if what, what would it be like to be forced to adopt these foreign you know, customs that you, you were kind of opposed to or that don't fit in with your culture? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's what Japan's been dealing with for a long time. So whenever I see a line like this in a Japanese game, I'm just like, oof, that line is saying more than you realize when yeah. you play the game. Like, it's deeper than you think. Yeah. And it's almost like there's a, this tragic sense of, of loss when this yeah. happens as it is in this game. Like she doesn't want to let go. She doesn't want to just, you know, fine, I'll just marry the Eastern guy. It's like, no, she wants to, you know, still participate in, in her way of life. It's um, um, like these blossoms. We're all dying. Yes, we're all dying. <laughs> <laughs> like these blossoms. <laughs> like these blossoms. We are all dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that movie's awesome. The last samurai. Um, so yeah, Draco crashes the performance. Um, the opera, it is just so fun. This part of the game is so fun. You can actually jump out, and this is actually kind of ruins everything a little bit, uh, but you can ha- hop onto the orchestra while they're playing, and oh, <laughs> your yeah. character will like jump up. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, it's really funny. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen um, that. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, um, Setzer shows up and takes Celeste, and uh, that's where I just, I can totally see the impresario being like, oh, this is totally on purpose. This is on purpose, everybody. Yep, Come yep. back for part two. He knows that word <laughs> is going to spread of this like crazy opera scene that just yep. took place and people are totally going to come back the next week to see to see the what next happens? part. Yep. Okay. So now we are aboard the, so the plan the worked. Jack. The plan worked. Yep. Setzer thought that, um, that Celeste was Maria. Yep. And we are on the only airship in the in world. In the world. <laughs> in the world. And it's owned by some private, you know. Yep. Some gambler, gambler. dude. Um, so anyways, he says, you know, I'll give you plenty of attention later. He just like leaves her behind. Yeah, he leaves. And then she so like. So then she helps us Helps in. Yeah. the party get Us. in. Uh, like, all right. So what a performance. You're a great fake actress, Celeste. She's like, shut up. <laughs> uh, but the real show starts now. It's time for act two. Where it sets her. So he should be coming back. He comes back. Whoa, what are you doing here? You're not Marie, are you? He finally realizes it. It's like, and then she is asking him, Setzer, we need your help. Uh, you, we need to get to Vector. Your ship is the only. And he's like, if you're not Maria, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I don't care about you. <laughs> She's like, wait, we heard that your ship is the finest vessel in the world. And uh, Locke says, and that you were the world's greatest gambler. Um, anyways, they're trying to convince him. Uh, and he says, I don't misunderstand me. I still haven't said I'll help you, but he's like, um, 
business has been awful slow lately, thanks to the empire. So he's considering hurting them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, let's see. Let's let's consider the yeah. consequences here. <laughs> all right? about money. Um, and then uh, basically, he decides that. Um, I think you're even cuter than Maria. Exactly. <laughs> it's like oh, that's so. He good. he he make he tries to make a deal. All right, if Salafs becomes my wife, I'll help you. Otherwise, no. Yeah. And Locke, what? Whoa, Are you no, crazy? No, no. way. Yeah. And she says, fine. And that freaks him out even more. He's like, great, yeah. it's settled. But she says, but I have a condition. He says, I like it. I'll accept. And she and she basically says, um, that uh, we got to flip a coin. So like yeah. you're a gambler, right? Like we're going to leave it up to fate. Yes. And this is where she grabs Edgar's two-sided coin. Right. And, uh, you know, well, tricks him. This this <laughs> uh, brings up the question, did she know about Somehow this coin? she must have. Yes. Somehow she must have. So she flips it. And it's just so funny because Setzer doesn't at all care that he just got completely foiled. Like he just totally. <laughs> he, it's like he respects it. <laughs> yeah. He's almost like, wow. It's like, you know, I, I wish I guts. had thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> but so one. she, you know, she throws it in the air and he immediately picks it up and he's like, oh, two-sided coin. Oh, yep. you tricked me, you know? Yep. And um, then that's when Sabin is just like, whoa, Edgar, what? Like that yep, coin. That and, was the coin. But, you know, we don't really get much from them yep. at that point. But right. yeah. Because he might not even be in the party. But it is a two-sided coin. It's so two-sided coin. I'm afraid you've been hustled, Mr. Gambler, but that's part of the game now, isn't it? <laughs> he says, ha, how, could you st how low can you stoop? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll help you. Gambling against the Empire with nothing to lose by my life, I haven't felt so excited yeah. in years. Uh, my life's chip is in your pile, ante up. So um, they're going to take the airship. This is one of my favorite shots. In the oh, world, it's so cool. Where, when they go across the ocean. Yeah, the oh, airship is, is flying towards Vector in the distance and the sun yeah. is setting and it's growing dark and you just see the big spotlights coming yeah. out of the city and it's just like slowly, ominously drawing closer. Oh gosh, this is, awesome. this is, uh, <laughs> oh, so good. It's yeah. awesome. And it's I think good. that's where we're going to leave off for this episode is uh, landing there in... Uh, in the Imperial continent and heading towards Vector. Um, so we'll probably play all the way up through, I'll see. I don't want to say it without spoiling it. Um, I mean, at least all the way up through the, um, the banquet, the dinner scene. Okay. I'll just put it that way. At least that far, Sounds if good. not further. There's a scene that happens after that with Kefka at the gates of the, of the um, place of the Esper's world. <laughs> okay. Um, it's probably actually right around there. We'll probably stop there for next time, right after that scene happens. So play up to that point, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week.